You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Now, being that you're you're an artist uh, in more ways than one, whether it's tattoo artist or whether it's uh, at the Vice, I want you to paint us a picture. So this is your perfect day, Joshua. You're heading out tomorrow. Um, what does it look like? What kind of you know? What species are you chasing? What are you throwing? Is there something uh, warm to drink in the morning? Cool to drink at night? Walk us through that. Well, I'll probably wake up being that it's getting warm here. I'll probably wake up probably about four o'clock in the morning. Do me a French press blonde rose coffee. Wow, specific with a half, with a little bit of half and half, not too much. Yeah. And then uh, probably gather up all the rods, put them in the rod locker, get all my tippet tippet line together, get my drift dry bag together, and my drift boots, and my corkers. And yeah, I usually just load up the truck, and I'm usually on the water about 5:30. Hmm. Just trying to beat that heat. 5:30. Yeah, I got to beat that heat, and then uh, usually, uh, usually sunrise, sunrise. Sundown is usually the best time. Yeah. So usually I'll stay out till about 10:30 when it starts to get too warm and the uh, top water starts to dissipate because let's just say I'm a top water junkie when it comes to uh, fishing. Period. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you are joining us today. And we're going to head out to uh, Camp Verde, Arizona. We've got Joshua Matthews on the line. Now, Joshua is a tattoo artist, electrician, former kayak river guide. Uh, He's a welder. He worked in oil and gas, does a lot of things. He's a real busy guy, but uh, is finding time these days to do some pretty wicked ties with salty, fresh flies. Now, Joshua uh, tells us a little bit about how he kind of came to discover fly fishing and and where he grew up. I was uh, was born in Colorado. I was born in Canyon City, Colorado. It was a a prison town. Yeah. Uh, My mom and dad had me at the age of 15. Wow. So um, it was it was kids having kids. Um, basically, grew up in in a, in a small town in Canyon City, and and it was great. Uh, my dad was a fisherman, and you know took me fishing, and I remember fishing trips in Canyon City. And anyways, um, brought me to Arizona. My dad was my dad is an electrical field, mm-hmm. and he he basically chased chased the booms where it was booming is where we went. Right. So I really, I guess at a different age, I guess about 12 years old, I, I got away from the fishing because we moved to Arizona and I was new to Arizona. And I thought there's no fish in the desert. 
but I was a young kid, so and we didn't live anywhere near any like hardcore water that had a lot of fish. So I really didn't fish until I was probably say in my early twenties again. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up a, I didn't pick it up. I picked up gear fishing and okay. started doing a lot of uh, bass fishing and bass tournaments. Okay. And um, what got me into fly fishing, man, is I'm going to be honest with you. About six years ago, went through a really hard time in life. Went through a rugged, rugged divorce. My very first one, and with my high school sweetheart, and so I said to myself, I need to turn over a new leaf. I need to get back to my roots. Lost track of who I was and where I was supposed to be in life. Hmm. I picked up a fly rod instead of going back to all the, you know, yeah. the old ways. Well, you know, we talk about fly fishing and what it does for you because it definitely brings a sense of kind of peace or I don't even know how to verbalize it, but it definitely it does me, something. It for... keeps my sanity, man. Yeah. Oh. It's like my my own, I hate to say this, but it's almost my only happy place. Yeah. It's the only only thing other than my son that keeps me going driving. How old's your son I now? Lived in, my my son's nine now. Okay, that's a fun age. So is it's he? It's a damn fun age. Uh, Are got, you getting him out? Him on the fly rod. Yeah. yeah, I've got him on the fly rod. I got him on his first little panfish on a fly that we tied together. A little little dry fly. Yeah. So if you, I mean, you're teaching your son how to how to fish, how to fly fish. If you were to kind of look back on your history, who would you cite as influences? Kind of, and they don't have to necessarily be, you know, fly fishing. Yeah, yeah, definitely my grand my my grandfather, because that's where the fly fishing that's that's where I saw the fly fishing when I was a kid. My grandfather would fly fish the Arkansas River and. You know, I always wondered what it was. I was like, what is that? You know, I was kind of, it was always strange to me because my dad used spinning gear, you know? Yeah. So it was, I don't know. It's, there's something about the harmony about, about casting, casting the rod. There's, there's something about the harmonics and there's something about the timing. There's, there's the when you you feel the rod preload. There's just that that, that moment in silence that you just you, you feel connection. You know, mm-hmm. just everything's silent, and that, that all you can hear is just you know the wind, the birds, the water. You know, yeah, and it's just so tranquil. You know, hmm. and it's just uh, I don't know, man. I, I honestly I'm an electrician by by trade. Uh, my dad taught me taught me that um I, that's what i fell back on when i yeah when i ended up having my son um I, I tattooed professionally for about 14 years okay um before all of that um all over arizona huh what kind of tattoos what what kind of like, what's your uh, kind of genre traditional yeah it was more old school traditional yeah I like to put the newest spin on some old school stuff, you know, with the high bright colors, the low lights, and the highlights. Yeah. Have you uh, like a, have you done any work on yourself? Or I was curious. Yeah, my legs completely covered from when I first started. Okay. Two year apprenticeship, and that's honestly how I got my apprenticeship was the tattoos on my legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make I sense. I walked into the shop. 
right. walked into the shop and I was like, Hey man, are you guys hiring any apprentices? How do I get a job? And they're like, do you even tattoo? And I'm like, yeah, on my legs. And then they checked them out and they're like, wow, you, you've never done an apprenticeship. I'm like, no, I'm just a really good artist. And like, yeah, you, you, we're not paying you. And I'm like, that's fine. I just want to learn the trade. Hmm. So two years of basically, excuse my language for being a bitch. Yeah. It was it was pretty. It was uh, definitely humbling, man. It's because it's an industry. It's an industry that humbles you, and uh, and it, it humbles you in a way that that you don't want to lie about yourself because your work will speak for itself. Yeah, I got to admit, you know something funny. I mean, I I do have a thing for tattoos. I, I I hate getting them done, but I always have the best conversations with tattoo artists. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's, it's the walk of life, man. It's, it's, I'm going to tell you, man, I've, 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 I've walked a crazy, crazy, long, strange life, man. Like, and I'm surprised I'm still alive, but, well, like, it, but I lived, I lived yeah. through my, 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 you know, my 18s and my 20s. And, you know, I ended up having a kid and it was time to become responsible and that backfired on me. So here I am and, I'm, dude, I live, eat, and breathe fly fishing, man. I, I constantly, I'm at work, I'll be thinking about a new pattern. <laughs> That's awesome. We're chatting today with Joshua Matthews out of Camp Verde, Arizona. Now, he runs Salty Fresh Flies. Um, sounds like day job as an electrician. Are you still doing the electrician thing, or is it 100% on the fly fish fly tying now? Uh, no, um, I'm actually doing that on 100% of the time, and I do uh, basically after work until, until I go to bed. Wow. Because now that I'm in, now got my product in AZ Fly Shop down in Phoenix, Arizona off of Cactus now. Okay. So my product is now available to the public in store instead of online. Okay, so you got to tell me what made you start this venture. What made you start Salty Fresh Flies? Um, being that I was an artist and I had all these creative ideas, and I mean, I wasn't the best, and I, I I'm great at taking constructive criticism. So I was really, you know, talking to a lot of the you know, Montana fly guys, just a lot of those those feeds on YouTube and, and, and Instagram and stuff. So I would take pointers and I, you know, and I take the best pointer I can get and I'd watch as many tutorials that I could watch to, to, to try to learn how to do the best fly tying that I could do. Hmm. And so I was buying flies from, you know, local shops like sportsmen's and I just wasn't satisfied with the quality. So I just wanted to, well, I, I would rather make my own and make it last a little bit longer if I can, you know. Right. How much of what you do right now is custom uh, ties? Um, probably about 40 to 50% of everything that I do is a custom tie. So how does that work? So does somebody call you, reach out on Instagram, say, hey, I got this idea for a fly or try this in this color. Like I always kind of curious on the thought process behind that. Like there's one guy that would like to fish for bass on the fly and he wanted something that would, was kind of the same as a, I guess a Texas rigged, a Texas rigged, uh, wacky or a Texas rigged Cinco bait. And so I took, uh, the dragon tails, one of the big dragon tails 
and put it on a wide gap EWG hook and just tied it and then threaded it through the end of that. So it kind of looked like that and put some lead wire on the bottom so it float, hmm. floated down in the water sur- surface, you know? So I kind of, I kind of take, I guess my idea, I kind of take with a little bit of gear fishing with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find that, you know, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of tires that are inspired by a lot of these new lures and some of these colors and some of these um, just overall design. You start looking at some of these kind of segmented large patterns for pike and, you know, musky. Well, that's what I started on. That's what I started on, believe it or not. We got pike here in Arizona. Really? And they're literally 40 miles from here. Huh. And that was actually the honest to God truth, the first fish that I caught on the fly rod. On my own fly, the first fly that I tied, the, and that's that from there I was hooked, hooked. Wow. And so that's, that's what I do during, you know, the spring and the fall as I go chase, chase pike. How how big do the pike get? I hadn't, I got a full uh, disclosure, I gotta... man. I had no clue there was pike in Arizona. Yeah, a lot of people are like, what, you're lying. And I'm like, I thought they were lying too. <laughs> so you must be pretty high in elevation, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm probably, and be, I'm, I'm, so you know where Sedona, Arizona is? Yeah, sure do. Red Rock, yeah, that's, I'm right below that, oh. right off the I 17, which is a main interstate that runs through Arizona all the way up to Flagstaff. Yeah, beauty. That's oh, beautiful country. So I'm more up in the, the, I guess, high desert. Okay. Yep. So back to these, these patterns. So, um, so, so you're basically, um, taking requests from people. Now, how much of what you do is like, you know, I, I need two dozen woolly buggers or, I mean, is that not something that you do a lot of? Uh, most of my orders have been from the East coast, um, North Carolina, um, I've done a couple Utah orders, um, a few California orders. Uh, I'm, I live in an RV park at, right now at the moment, so I meet a lot of people at the, the RV park. Hmm. Um, so I, I sell a lot of flights there, and then I do also do a lot of shows here in town locally. How cool is so, that RV culture? I just, my I wife love, and I, we had a Flagstaff RV, and we used to... Uh, I just, the people you would meet, the stories you would get, everyone's, I don't know, it's such a cool uh, kind of fun fun vibe. It, it, it is. It's just, because it, it's a simple way of living, man. Like, I've I've been at that, that the lifestyle of, of chasing the Joneses and chasing the materialistic things. And honestly, I mean, I really wasn't happy. And I'm more happy, you know, working to live instead of, you know, mm-hmm. living to work, you know. Yeah, good stuff. Well, you've had a it sounds like a pretty diverse career and diverse life experiences. Um, I want to take some time. Yeah. I want to take some time to get to know you off the water. You ready for a few uh, random questions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk tunes, man. So if you if you're on your way to chase those pike you're talking about up high, what are you listening to in your truck on the way there? Uh, probably some Pantera. Wow. Um, That'll get you going. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, that's the thing. That's to get you pumped up and, and get you in the zone. Um, I don't know. Um, it depends, man. It depends if I got people with me because you know not everybody likes the same stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say pretty much heavy metal, maybe maybe some oldies. Like, mm-hmm. um, dang, I can't even think of any yeah. songs like right off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, that's cool. No, it sounds it sounds fairly diverse. Let's talk fly patterns. So, if there's one fly pattern that you're taking with you in your box every time you go, or reaching for more often than not, what would it be? Clouds. Yeah. What color? Chartreuse and white. Nice. Now, is that are you throwing that for bass a lot, or what are you throwing that for? Yeah. So, I live on the Verde River area, so that's the main water supply for down in Phoenix on the east side of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So mostly we got bass, catfish, carp. So, you know, like coming from the gear fishing, I was like, in, you know, a bass snob, as they say, that every other fish was trash but bass, you know. But now that I'm on the fly rod, I, I, I don't care what species it is. As long as it bends my rod and gives me that rush, I don't care. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, carp can sure take you for a ride, too. That's what you know. It's it's warming up now, so that's usually what I go right now. I'm I'm probably going to start gearing up to chase some carp on the eight weight. I was down There's in some... Phoenix. Uh, sorry, it's more like Scottsdale area um, a, a few years ago, and and you know how you've got all those kind of little irrigation canals or canals. I, I couldn't believe yeah. the size of the carp in there. Yeah, there's white amar, there's grass carp, there's common carp, there's mere carp, there's then there there there's some hefty hefty ones. Yeah, crazy. So what's what's the trick for catching those carp? You got to kind of be kind of stealthy, or you got to be really stealthy, man. Like usually, I can wait in the water with the bass and the smallmouth and largemouth, but with the carp, you you're you're having to do some slingshot methods. Yeah, you're you're not or some drifting, you know what I mean. You're not you're not throwing sixty feet of line out underneath the shade tree, right? Yeah, they spook pretty quick. Yeah, so usually like, I'm a carp. I usually because we got a lot of mulberry trees on the river. Okay, and so I'll either I'll either do the mulberry uh, dry with just a a bunch of foam, like a little bunch of pieces of foam, just tied into like a nodule pattern. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I just pinch it and tie them all the way around the ring and then palmer that back and then do another row. And then I'll throw the lighter to it to give it that kind of like it's yeah frizzy. It's, it's got that bright, but it's kind of, it's, it's dying off, you know, it's yeah. rotten. So like it. Um, favorite place to talk fly fishing. So Joshua, if you're, I mean, is it in the RV park? Is it in a fly shop that you frequent? Is it, um, you know, on social media, where do you get your fix when you're not? Social media. Yeah. Okay. I get most of it on social media. I'm kind of a lone wolf, you know, I don't really have much time and there's really not much fly fishing guys up here that, that guides that got time to just chill. So it's it's kind of hard, you know. A lot of guys that are that I used to gear fish with, you know, yeah. are kind of against the fly fishing thing. And I'm like, whatever, man. Huh? Yeah, I don't get it. I, it's fishing, right? I mean, it's like whether you're yeah, throwing fishing. a lure or a fly. I don't. Uh, I mean, I can yeah. see. Yeah, and you know, pleasure in I, both. I just there's pleasure in both, and I I just I don't know. I thought you know why not be a well-rounded fisherman? Yeah, be able to do it all. Oh, for sure. I think there's lots, there's lots of interchangeable 
uh, lessons between, you know, the different forms of fishing. And I, I think t- when it comes to patterns too, I mean, we're, we're stealing from the gear guys all the time and I'm sure it goes the yeah. other way too. All the time. I mean, my last popper that I made was called a 3d popper and it actually was a wide popper, but it was supposed to mimic a mega bass 3d hmm. popper hmm. with the, with the, uh, slotted gills on the side. And it's got the popper mouth, and when you pop it, it gives the chug at the top, up in the front, and then it runs the small bubbles out the back through the fins. So you get the small little air bubbles, and then you get the big disturbance on the water. Right. Let's uh, let's take it off the water for a second to sports. So uh, are you a D-backs, Cardinals, Suns? Who, who do you cheer for in the world of sports? Um I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I'm not a big sports fan. Um, not like I used to be when I was a kid. Denver Broncos was my team. Elway retired. And <laughs> I was. It was kind of, kind of over there for me, you know. Yeah. And then, being that my family, we come from a long line of racing. We do a lot of dirt track racing. Okay. So um, I, I usually go watch my brother races. It's modified. Okay. It used to be a sprint car. Now it's the modified. So that's usually what I do as far as sports-wise. Yeah, fair enough. Is that um, that uh, dirt racing, is that near you? Where, where do you do Where does that happen in, in your area? It's mostly Phoenix. Phoenix. It's mostly Phoenix down in the city. Okay. How far of a drive is it for you to go to Phoenix? Hmm... The outskirts of North Phoenix is give you about an hour and ten minutes, hour and fifteen minutes, okay. give or take on traffic. Yeah. If you had to think about all the things that you have taken away from your fly fishing journey, like lessons, like what 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 does it do for you? What's the biggest lesson you've learned during your time fly fishing? Patience. Hmm. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. That's so, a big one. Patience is a big one. Fill in the blank for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? I'm not fly fishing. I'm usually tying a fly. <laughs> I kind of figured you'd say that. I had to ask. Um, what's the best job you've ever had? I mean, is, are you doing it now? You've had a pretty diverse wow. career so far. Yeah, I mean, I've done I've done quite a bit of, of everything. I mean, I've I've welded. I've been in I've been in the oil field. I've been a framer. You know, I've done I've done a lot of jobs in you know my lifetime. I'd have to say my most favorite uh, was being a local guide here on the Verde River for kayak company. Okay. So would there be any? That's like kind of day trips, or was there any? fishing in that or is that strictly uh paddling? No, strictly we strictly only had permits to run kayaks and i think we he was only permitted like 187 people down the water during that season so i mean that that's a very short season that's not very many people what was and i think we did about maybe three four trips a day what was the biggest challenge of guiding for you um connecting with people that were new right that you know that were there were i guess how do i say it um clueless to what the beauty around them you know like 
yeah. so caught up in the city life, so caught up in, you know, running the rat race. And yeah, I don't know. You just did slow down to smell the roses. Yeah. You know, and, you know, when people, that was the biggest thing when people would come up there is just seeing the people, how, how relaxed they are, you know, like. Yeah. Well, you think you think that you put them in those places. I automatically, I would think. I don't know how you don't kind of focus on where you're at. I mean, you know, I guess if you're checking your cell phone, or I, I don't know. I just for me, if you're in a beautiful you place, check your cell phone if you're on the water. Yeah, or you know, usually we told people we told people leave all your electronic devices here. Yeah, huh. mostly the main reason because we took all the photos. We had a waterproof camera and everything, and we didn't want. That's the last thing that we need somebody to be worried about is losing a phone that's a thousand dollars on the river. Yeah, no. Yeah, they've exactly. already spent a good good price to go down the river and get guided down the river. The last thing they want to do is spend another thousand dollars on the phone. Yeah. So that's that was our biggest thing. You know, we'll have all the pictures for you. We we did. We have all the pictures, great pictures. You know. Hmm. Is that something you enjoy, um, photography quite a bit? Is that a passion? Um, I don't, I'm not a big photographer. Uh, I got a, I got a, I got a knack for it because I did a lot of photography summer classes when I was out of school. I go to summer classes at the college and do black and white photography or learn how to develop film in the black room or yep. you know things like that. I think I got an award or won a contest for the best black and white photo because I took a picture of the clouds when it, one of the clouds had a, just a highlight of the rainbow on the cloud. And so when I took the picture with the camera, it was all black and gray, but that highlight of that rainbow. That's cool. Which was like my photographer teacher told me, like, that is insane that you were able to even get that on a black and white film, hmm. that you were able to pick that up at that angle and pick up those highlights because nine times out of 10, it would have just been white, just white blotches because of the, he said the hot spots or the shine spots or something like that. But I think it's been right. so long. I think it was like 14 when I was doing that. Yeah. That's, uh, it amazes me how, when you're waiting for that light to come, it, it happens so quickly, you know, and it just, it, yeah. it's gone in an instant. And, and if you take uh, 50 shots, there's always one or two that are better, and it's always at this right opportune time. And photography has always yep. fascinated me. What about your, like, the, say the photography you do with for your flies? So, say you tie up a, a nice pattern, and you're like, oh man, this I need to catalog this. Is there, um, is there any tricks of the trade you do when you're trying to capture what you're tying at the vise? To be honest, I'm still learning on that. I'm not. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'm not that tech savvy. So everything that you see like my stamp and everything and my packaging and all of that photos. I bought the photo booth off of Amazon and I've been doing the, you know, I look up tips and tricks of people that do the same thing that I'm doing. So the big, big one is, is, is Sven, Sven Diesel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know him, I do. he's, he's a big inspiration. And then Nicholas Backus or Nicholas Bauer in the UK over okay. I believe in Finland area. He those are my two main like go to's as far as pike flies and material uses as far as anything like to do what they do. You yeah. know, so like I'm not gonna lie, I'm 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 new to this and I'm still new to it and I, I'm I'm 
always come out of a situation to where I'm still learning no matter what. Yeah. I am. So no, uh, I'm still learning. I mean, still that's honest, right? Together. That's honest. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's what that tattooing taught me. You got to be honest, man. Yeah. Honesty gets you a lot further than, you know, lying like a rug. <laughs> We've got Joshua Matthews on the line from Camp Verde, Arizona. Uh, he's He's been doing a few things. Tattoo artist, electrician, uh, kayak river guide, welder. Um, I have a feeling you're sitting on a few good stories over there, but he's also got salty, fresh flies. Let's dig into that nugget. Um, how do we find you? I mean, what's the best way to find salty, fresh flies? Um, best way is just going to be probably Instagram. Um, I've got Instagram on salty, fresh flies on that end. And then I got L fish commander, which is my personal, my personal. And then you can also find me on fish brain as well as Facebook. Okay. Are you, what do you got coming on down the pipe here now? I mean, we're kind of just coming out of COVID, hopefully, knock on wood. But um, things yeah. seem to be opening up and, 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 you know, any trips coming up or any uh, any fish you want to chase you want to tell us about? I'm probably, uh, I'm, you know, I haven't dialed in that trout yet. So I'm probably, I got, I met the guys up from Lee's, Lee's Ferry Guide up there and uh, they offered to take me on a, on a trip one weekend up there. So I think I'm going to take them up on the offer one of these weekends and probably take a three hour jot all the way up to page and go do the Colorado. Mm. Get me on a couple of brown trouts. Nice. Well, if you can sneak up on those carp in, you know, basically low cover conditions, you can do, <laughs> I'm sure you'll do just fine. Yeah. Those trout are really picky. Yeah. Those, those trout are sure are picky. They're they're kind of snobby. I ain't gonna lie. I've uh, especially the native ones. I mean, a stalker is easy to catch, but I'm talking yeah. the 23, 24 inch native trout that are that have got the brain in the neck because they've been in that water since they've been a little yeah little tyke. You know. Very true. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Definitely more of a challenge, and there's more kind of a reward at the end of that, isn't there? Yeah, you know, and it's just I don't I don't even we don't even have enough native trout in my area to even chase it. And the place that we do is is Sedona, and unfortunately, that's a tourist town. And you know, it's kind of hard to uh, fly fish when you got people doing cannonballs and swimming in the water yeah. where you're fishing. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, now, being that you're you're an artist uh, in more ways than one, whether it's tattoo artist or whether it's uh, at the Vice, I want you to paint us a picture. So this is your perfect day, Joshua. You're heading out tomorrow. Um, what does it look like? What kind of you know? What species are you chasing? What are you throwing? Is there something uh, warm to drink in the morning? Cool to drink at night? Walk us through that. Well, I'll probably wake up being that it's getting warm here. I'll probably wake up probably about 4 o'clock in the morning, do me a French press blonde rose coffee. Wow, specific. With a, half, with a little bit of half and half, not too much. Yeah. And then uh, probably gather up all the rods, put them in the rod locker, get all my tippet, tippet line together, get my drip dry bag together and my drip boots. And my corkers, and yeah, I usually just load up the truck, and I'm usually on the water about 5.30. Hmm, just trying to beat that heat. 5.30, yeah, I got to beat that heat. 
and then uh, you see uh, you see the sunrises, sunrise and the sundown is usually the best time. Yeah. So usually I'll stay out till about ten thirty when it starts to get too warm and the uh, top water starts to dissipate because. Let's just say I'm a top water junkie when it comes to uh, fishing. Period. <laughs> I get that too. Yeah. Um. Now, what species are you chasing here? Are we talking trout? Well, we're gonna probably chase some smallmouth. Yeah. Yeah. Are they Are they happening? Is smallmouth. Well, it's that time of year. They should be happening right now, right? Yeah, they're they're happening right now, and they're they should be spawning right now. Right. So. Yeah, be bedding and stuff. So that's uh, that's a good. And the water's pretty clear right now. Um, got some good heavy cover. Um, hasn't washed out in probably about a year. So been able to uh, for the fish to build some habitat where they're at in that area, get settled in instead of you know swimming up and down the stream. Hmm. Are you are you walking, waiting mostly? Or are you drifting? How are you fishing? Um. It, it depends. Um, it's a lot of, it's a pretty big chore to, to get the kayak in. Um, and there's only short runs on the very because it dries up because of all the irrigation ditches. Yeah. So you've got, you've got one run that's going to be in Clarkdale, which is a Tapco run. And that right there is going to stop at Tuesday, not national monument. And you got to get out of there. And the uh, porting is pretty, pretty rugged. And I've got a Jackson Mayfly kayak, which is 12 and a half feet long and about three feet wide huh. and when you load the sucker up with the cooler and all of the stuff <laughs> it gets a little heavy for the landing gear when you got a like a nine percent incline dirt hill that you got to pull it up yeah okay. so it's, it's it's definitely a team team effort so it's it's definitely hard to find my buddy when he's got enough time to go with me because that's usually when i go yeah. So we have a, you know, kind of a buddy system, but normally nine times out of 10, I'm waiting. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's probably a lot more effective. I mean, you can cover more ground. I mean, I know, I, yeah. I think too, like a lot of people probably, I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, in a desert part of the world too. And the rivers that I fish, basically, like you say, there'll be a trickle. You know, you'll have these runs that are maybe like a mile or two miles long, and then all of a sudden you're high-centered and you've got to pick up your boat and walk. And it's not easy. You know, it's not those constant flows that some of these famous rivers have, Rivers have, you know? Yeah, yeah and the buoyancy of the boat gets real heavy when there's no water. <laughs> yeah, I, that boat doesn't become so light. No. I, I I do it all the time, man. I just pick up my pontoon and put it over my back and just start walking on this one river we hit. And the the sad part is when the river flows get that low, then of course you know the water temperature starts heating up. And I see why you want to get out there real early in the morning. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an early game. Um, I mean, if you want to stay out a little bit on the heat, you're gonna have to start throwing some deep sinkers. And you might find some carp in the area that are feeding in the shallows, um, but they're 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 hard to find. You know, um, they're not an easy one to find because to get to them, usually nine times out of ten, they're in areas of the river that basically nobody can get to on foot. So usually you only see them when you're you're on a flotation device. Okay, makes sense. So at the end of this perfect day, we're talking uh, in the river. 
Is there what? What are you having to drink at the end of the day? I'm gonna probably have me a local IPA. Hmm. I'll what? probably head down to the local brewery, which which is right by the river. What's it called? And it's called Birdie Brewery. Yeah. Okay. We'll give them a shout yeah. out. Right on. Yeah. Keeping it local. I love that. You know. And then you really get a feel for the spot. I mean, uh, I think wherever we go chasing chasing trout, chasing fish throughout North America, there's always local brew pubs, local coffee shops, local fly shops where you can really kind of get get a feel for uh, for the area. And for me, I, I I enjoy that a lot. You'd really enjoy Old Town Cottonwood then. Okay. Good stuff. Um, I got a kind of a philosophical question I like to throw out there. Um, is there anything that kind of irks you in the world of fly fishing? Like, is is there anything you think we could be doing a little better at as as a group? Uh, I'd have to say keeping the politics out of it. Yeah. Keep keeping the politics out of it. Like, I don't I don't want to know who you voted for. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't it. care. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a conservative. Yeah. We're not here to discuss those things. It, I mean, those are those are one of the three things that you don't discuss. You don't discuss wage. You don't discuss politics, and you don't discuss religion. The fish don't care. So I mean, and I don't care. We're here to fish. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a fishing rod in your hand. We're friends. I don't care. Yeah. And if you have you have snacks and things and things that you do that, that, that are, I'm not like that either. Cause I'm not even that great either, you know? So I, I, I'm not that good, you know? So how can I, you know, get irritated or mad at somebody? But the, the biggest thing is politics, man. Yeah. Keep the politics out of, out of the fly fishing industry. And that's the reason why I love AZ fly shops so much hmm. is because they keep the politics out of it. They're, they're not there for the politics. We're, we're here for the fishing. So if we go into AZ Fly Shop, will we see your flies in there? Yes, you will. Cool. And we can ask for them by name. Say, hey, we want to check out some of Joshua Matthews' salty, fresh flies. Or how how would we do that? Yeah, you just go in there, and they should have a rack. Cool. They should have a rack with all my products, and I'm actually getting ready to actually mail them another box. What kind of vice do you like to tie on? I'm I'm loving this peak rotary. Yeah. For the the price that it has and the attachments, uh, I got everything but the light. <laughs> What's your go-to thread? Vetus. I have not used that. Um, so Vetus uh, gel spun. Okay. I'm not familiar with that. So, um, is it a? Is it? Why do you? What do you like about it? Is it super strong? Is it lie flat? Is it super, the colors? Uh, super. It's like a. Usually, I'll run like a, a 140 denier or a 80 denier. Usually. Yeah. Um, I like it because it's it lays flat and it's it covers a lot of ground. How flat it lays and it, you know it's got the slipperiness to it as you know wax thread. Sure. Does. You know, so you kind of got to lay a little bit of a super glue, little dab there. Mm-hmm. But I like it because it it doesn't the bulk doesn't build up as quick. When you whip, it, it, do you whip finish dense. your flies? Or how? Yes, you? I whip finish all of my flies. How many turns? I'm using. Uh, I do seven. Seven. 
That's a John Elway special. Seven. Yeah, I do seven. <laughs> Seven's my lucky number, so I do seven. I got I got sevens tattooed all over me. Me too. And by the way, I'm a huge Broncos fan. And just exactly like you said, back from the Elway days and the, the Carl Mecklenburgs and, you know, back then it was, uh, man, it's, you I know. I think I still even got an old, uh, old uh, the D, Denver Broncos. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got that. Carter jacket. Yeah. With the, uh, with the cups. Heart. The, the, yeah. the cups around the uh, wrists. Yeah, I love that logo. Yeah, I love it too. I don't know why they changed it. I don't, I, uh, I really wasn't about the changing of it. Yeah, but uh, I, I could never, it was pretty hard not to cheer for them because they'd always seem to come back when you thought they were the total underdog. It was never going to happen. And, and next thing you know, um, you'd throw in a pass in the snow like a bullet and <laughs> somebody sliding yep. into the end zone. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, I love that one. That was a good Super Bowl. Oh, man. Yeah. Hopefully those days will come back soon. And, uh, well, um, NFL season's not too far away as we uh, – I see they've started mini camps already, haven't they? I think well, yeah. maybe this week. But, um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, it seems to me like you're uh, – you, you're finding time to hit the vice a lot. Are you still finding time to hit the water with, with now that you're kind of doing this? I mean, you, it sounds like you're working full time and then you're hitting the vice at the end of the day. Are you yeah, still managing? Really, Go ahead. Yeah, no, I really haven't. I haven't been on the water in probably a month now. Um, just because I, I, I really want to get this, you know, this fly thing going. And if I can get this going, I'm basically got a three year plan. Right. I'm on a three-year plan. I got three more years until I pay off my camper, and then I am bill-free. And then right. I'm going to go take the guide test and the captain's test and get my six-packs license and go finance a boat <laughs> and probably go go guide for for Derek at Low Water Guides down in Phoenix. Sound like a man with a plan. I like it. Hey, have, have you got anything crazy that's happened to you in your time on the water? It's a, um, like whether it be a bizarre wildlife encounter or just you wouldn't believe it, but this actually happened. Um, waiting by myself and almost dying. Okay, tell us about that. What what happened? Uh, so it was probably first year, winter time, and it's my first year, man. So I I exactly wasn't, I guess, the smartest ran in the box and I decided to go out waiting in my waders um, with no with no depth stick I didn't know what a depth stick was I didn't know anything about that you know I, I, I had bought the corker hatchback boots and I bought the drift drift waders and I was gung-ho I wanted to go out there I thought it would be you know cool to be in the water being able to to throw line and not get tangled in trees, you know. So I was out there and I was waiting, and I believe I was in wet, but wet Beaver Creek, and I was actually fishing for trout. I had spotted some trout, rainbow trout that were down on the bottom, and so I, 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 I think it was a size 18. I did a hopper dropper, did a hopper to a grasshopper to a. Um, believe a zebra midge mm -hmm. and i kept on waiting out i'd look down because it was crystal clear water and the, the perception 
as far as depth wise, when you look down, it, it, it looks shallower than what it is. Well, I, I wasn't paying attention. I started to step into a slit, like a, where the water had dusted it with a soft sand slit, like it was really soft. Mm-hmm. And I happened to step in it while I was casting. I cast out and was stripping, and then I wasn't paying attention. And as I wasn't paying attention, I stepped in that stuff, and it literally, I went, I went all the way up to my chest. And mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> waders started to fill up, and luckily there was a a tree branch that was on the shore that was hanging over that I was able to grab and pull myself to shore. Wow. So I I never waited by myself again after that, and I never, yeah, I never waited during the winter time by myself again after that, and I never went without a depth stick. Did you manage to hang on to your rod? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that's the first thing that I wasn't letting go. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's amazing how you know when you do lose footing in fast moving water, especially when it's cold, things can go sideways in a hurry. I've got a couple of buddies that have some very similar stories to what you're just talking about, but uh, yeah, you got to respect it, right? It was, a, it was a panic, dude. It was definitely a panic. You, you definitely gotta have you gotta have respect for the waters, man. I don't yeah. I don't care how how shallow you think it is. The, the this this river changes every year, and so the, we've got we got valleys and it's, it's not all flat, man. It's, it's got rivers and the, not rivers. It's got, how do I say it? It's, it's not a completely flat deal. So you could be in a four foot deal and step off and be in a, a 15 foot hole and then, huh. you know, go four feet and be in a two foot hole. You know, it, it's, it changes because the water rushes and, and brushes this limestone and sandstone away so easy. And it shifts all this sand. It just it it it's weird. It's it's a weird river. I will have to say that it yeah. isn't anything like the Arkansas River. Okay. Um, best fly fishing location that you personally have been that you're willing to share? Mmm. Mmm. Uh. I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna have to say Mud's Park Golf Course. <laughs> <laughs> Number four? <laughs> what? That's uh, no, I think it's hole fifteen. We talking bass? Right by the bathrooms. Right by the bathrooms. It's right on the back side of the clubhouse. The, <laughs> the first pond. You know how many it, people it have told some monster monster pike. <laughs> You're not the first person to tell me that golf course fly fishing can be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hmm. Like phenomenal. Yeah. There's some some prize gems in some of those waters. I'm telling you what. Well, cuz nobody ever eats out of them. Nobody ever takes the fish cuz it's reclaimed water. Right. Yeah, fair enough. And they they can grow big <laughs> in there. There's lots of food. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of food. I mean, and the pike, they, they eat the ducks over there. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and the last, the last fly, so I had a buddy do some flooring, some pro-tech flooring in my trailer. And in trade, he wanted me to get him on a, a big pike because he was from Idaho and he wanted to get on a big pike. Never got on a pike. Hmm. So I said, I'll get you on a big pike. Well, after freaking 12 hours of driving and about 
200 miles of driving around northern Arizona to all the pike lakes, losing about $50 in flies. <laughs> I finally said, screw it. On the way home, I said, we're going to stop at one last place. This is my gym. You can't tell anybody about it. And so I stopped at the golf course, and I, I said, all right, cast this one out there. This is the last fly we have. <laughs> and as soon as it hits the water, Mark, I shit you not. As soon as it hits the water, it just pow. <laughs> and it was such a violent, volatile, and it was just right off. I think it had just been two days right as melt-off. There's, like, still ice on the edges yeah. of the, the pond. So... It was. They were definitely hungry. They were definitely hungry, and he he latched onto it. I told him to hold on. It took him about about a good five ten minutes to get it in, oh. and it was. Uh, it's on my page. Yeah, I got it on my salty fresh page. He, him holding it up. I think it's about. We measured it. It was uh, thirty six inches, and he weighed. He weighed about twenty four. Huh. Twenty four pounds. Out. I'll, I'll check out your yeah, page. He was, he was a, he was a little, he was a little big. And... Huh. So that begs the question now, uh, when are you going to start uh, creating some duck patterns for pike or, or have you? I have, um, I created a few. I just ended up selling, um, to, where was it? Uh, I think it was, uh, some guy in Colorado wanted it for some tiger muskie out there. Hmm. That's good stuff. I mean, it sounds to me like you're doing some pretty unique patterns, and I always find that interesting. You know, a little outside of the outside of the box. That's what I try to do. I try to. I mean, obviously, I try to take the standard. You know, you, you obviously got to take the standard geometry into consideration. Um, I mean, and then a lot of it's. I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot of just being on the vice. The time. It's the the time. You know how many flies that I've tied that weren't any good that I would I would just give a friend that started fly fishing. I'd like, here, try one of these. And they would catch fish on it, you know, but they're just not the most beautiful fly, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a big learning curve. Like, I had one last night, one popper that I was making that I decided to change up and, and change the geometry on it. And it would not it would not kill right on the water. It would not right hook down at all. Hmm. And it took me about three hours to figure out what I had to do to make it right. And I figured it out. Hmm. All I did was throw a lead wrap on the backside of the hook. I think I threw about 10 lead wraps on the backside of the hook and then a good round ball of UV resin of the solar res. Ah, see, that is actually the next question I was going to ask you. When you finish a fly, you've got your seven uh, whip finishes, say, and then you, you cut it off. Is it solar S for you every time? Is it crazy glue? It's, uh, um, I don't use, okay, so now I stopped using the crazy glue because it's not good for the, you know, the, the ecosystem. And it's, you know, you could smell it. And I, I just got done listening to a podcast about scent trails. Right. I believe it was Salt Strong that came out with it, and mm. you will be you will be amazed if you find that scent trail podcast from Salt Strong. I'm going to tell you right now, you will catch more fish if you pay attention to the things that they tell you in that. I'll check, and that that's out. one of them. 
that's one of them is, 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 is that is his super glue is, is anything that's a product, chemical product, yeah. deters fish, petroleum based substance, nicotine, soda, yeah. like insane stuff. Sun's, but solar res is sunscreen. My, <laughs> yeah. Solar res is my jam. Um, cool. I'll usually, if it's a dry fly, I'll usually use, um, Zappa gap. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had some of that, uh, the gentleman in the fly shop, he's like, be careful of this stuff, man. Don't get it. Don't get it on your fingers. Well, the second time I used it, the I'm pretty clumsy at times when I, when I know I don't want to do something, I tend to end up doing it. So I'm like, don't, don't drop this. Don't drop this. Don't, I, I kind of undid the thing and it went everywhere. It went all over my jeans, all over my hand was my fingers were starting to stick together. And I'm like going, Oh crap. It just, Word of advice, any of that stuff that uh, you got to be careful. But scary. when I was a kid, I decided to open up super glue with my mouth. Oh, shoot. And when I, yeah, when I did, it burst and it burst all inside my mouth. Oh, my crap. mom had to call poison control when I was a kid. Oh, no. Wow. It made me keep my, they made me hold my tongue out. I had to hold my tongue out for like an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. So it didn't get stuck to the inside of my mouth. You were lucky. Wow. That, yeah, that I was could, pretty lucky. That could have gone sideways in a hurry. Hmm. In a real quick hurry. What other good stories are you sitting on? Seems like there's not a lot of things you haven't done or had happen to you. Yeah, I mean hmm. I mean I used to ride used to ride BMX when I was a young kid. I was a factory rider. Um, really? What company? That's what I was doing. Uh, Redmond Yamaha Wave Runner. Yep. Huh. That's cool. That was that was huge back in the day. It was a big thing when I was uh, when I was coming out of the BMX. ABA and NBL was really really good, and I started off with a good good team that would pay pay for us to travel to the nationals. And so when I was a kid, I mean, I've been to the Gator Nationals in Florida. I've been to Massachusetts, the Grand Nationals in Oklahoma. Hmm. I've been to Santa Cruz. I mean, Santa Cruz, California was the last race was the worst because it was all in mud. And they did, it was raining so bad. They didn't, they didn't stop the race. So it was to the point to where it was so muddy. You would race down the track, wreck in the first turn and pick up your bike and run through the mud to the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like fun. Uh, oh, it was man. was Kuhari a brand? Kuhari, I seem to remember. Kuhari. Kuhari. I don't know. I could be wrong. Was it Haro? Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, we, we I just back in the, when we were kids, that was huge. And it was like there was this one guy that lived in the neighborhood, and he was just decked out. And uh, I, I thought that was the brand. I don't know. I'm going back a ways here. But, Yeah. So what do you do for fun now when you're not when you're not fishing? I mean, uh, it sounds like you know between work and work and and work, uh, you're pretty busy. But what, what do you do for fun other than fishing? Um, I'm not doing what I usually do. I usually uh, I usually hang out with my kids, man. No, that's good stuff. Can't beat that. You know, take him to the skate park or take him on a hike or show him parts of you know area that he hasn't seen you know being that me and his mom are divorced he lives with his mom most of the time right so i only get to see him 
probably about four times a month. Yeah. But now that it's summertime, I get them once a week. Good stuff. That's something to look forward to for sure. Well, hey, man. I, it is. I really appreciate you taking the time. I love what you're up to. It's um, it's it's refreshing. You know, it sounds like you're doing some pretty unique patterns. Um, I, I did check out your website, and uh, it looks like you're up to... Uh, some 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 pretty art artsy kind of patterns and just some unusual ones and uh keep up the good work and, and thanks for for doing this tonight thank you mark and i appreciate for the interview we've been chatting tonight with joshua matthews out of camp verde arizona salty fresh flies check him out on instagram the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.